peace and many blessings and we praise the Lord for another opportunity to worship him, to praise him and to hear his word. Tonight, specifically, we are looking at our teaching topic, which is how to enter the kingdom of God. We would like to take the prayer and then we look at the subject for this evening. Father, we want to thank you for a time like this as we go through your word, especially as we prepare our hearts and we prepare spiritually to enter that glorious kingdom that you have prepared for us. As we go through your teaching and your word, O Lord, my dear Lord, our prayer is that you will grant us the understanding that we need, give us the knowledge and the wisdom that we need concerning this subject matter. And at the end, we believe that we will be careful to walk in the path that you have set for us. Lord, we thank you and we bless you in the name of Jesus Christ. Once again, our topic is how to enter the kingdom of God. As a church, we've been looking at this subject of kingdom of God for some time now. This evening, as we look at this dimension of the kingdom, we'll be looking at what the kingdom of God is, how can we enter, and in dealing with the how to enter into the kingdom, specifically we'll have to look at some attitudinal issues and also take a look at some specific points we'll have to look if seriously we want to enter the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Talking about the kingdom of God, what you are saying is that the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is the sphere in which God's rule is acknowledged. So here the supreme authority or the supreme rulership is God's word, God's life, God's authority. And people who are part of this kingdom submit to the rule of God. And it is not something like a constitution of a nation or a republic, but God should rule in our lives. Again, trying to reflect on broadly what this kingdom is, we will look at some five distinct phases, looking at it historically. First of all, Daniel, in Daniel chapter 2, verses 43 and 44, spoke about the kingdom of God, where he said that the kingdom of God will be set up, and I read, it says, And as you saw, iron mixed with ceramic clay, they will mingle with the seed of men, but they will not adhere to one another, just as iron does not mix with clay. And in the verse 44, Daniel said, And in the days of these kings, the kingdom of heaven will be set up, which will never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. After Daniel had come out with this in Daniel chapter 2, John the Baptist mentioned the kingdom of God, Christ himself spoke about the kingdom of God. Indeed, when he came, he said, I have come. The kingdom of God is at hand. Specifically, 
in Matthew chapter 4 verse 17, Christ himself said, Repent because the kingdom of God is at hand. He says, From that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And here, what he also meant by being present is that he himself, physically as the person and as the king of this kingdom, was around in person. Thirdly, after he had left for heaven, those of us who believe in him, we are expected to allow Christ to rule in our hearts. So that talks about the third phase of the kingdom after he had left the fourth phase will be talking about the manifestation of the kingdom where Christ will rule on this earth for a thousand years. And then finally, we'll be talking about the everlasting kingdom, which is in Second Peter chapter 1, verse 11. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 11, which will talk about the final phase of the kingdom of God. And it says that, for so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So I was talking about what the kingdom of heaven is, which means it is concerned about God's rule, where God's rule is acknowledged. And I have given the five phases of the kingdom from where Daniel spoke about it, where John the Baptist and Christ spoke about it in person, and after Christ has left, those of us on the earth now and who believe in him and are disciples of Christ are supposed to allow Christ to be enthroned in our hearts. Fourthly, we're talking about the kingdom as a manifestation where Christ will rule on the earth for a thousand years. And then finally, the everlasting kingdom which I've just mentioned in Second Peter chapter 1 verse 11. So that is just to do with the kingdom and what it means. And I'm now starting by saying that as Christ said, He said, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And to seriously look at we entering, if you are not part of the kingdom today, where Christ is enthroned in your heart, where you are allowing the rulership of Christ in your heart, then you cannot even talk about talking about entering ultimately when the everlasting kingdom is established. So brethren, if indeed we want to seriously enter into the kingdom, then it should begin from now. The moment you become born again and you give your life to Christ, and we see that Christ is our Lord and our Master, it's time to reason that from that very moment, you are su a subject of that kingdom and you accept that Christ is the king and he rules over our lives. So Christ must be enthroned in our hearts even now. And secondly, Christ must take preeminence in our lives. And it means that whilst we are on earth today, God's rule, like I said, is acknowledged and that our conduct and character is in line with what he prescribes for us. And the Lord is king in our hearts and God's counsel guides you and I. 
And we see ourselves as people who are under heaven's government. And therefore daily his will must be done in our lives. And every proclamation issued from the throne of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ is what we are ready to obey. And finally in our lives every decree that comes from the great king, our Lord Jesus Christ, we should cheerfully obey and work with them. Once we are doing this as we are living today, then I believe we can say that we are preparing seriously to make an entry into the ultimate kingdom, which will be the everlasting one. Now, in doing the entry, we first have to do, have some attitudinal changes. The first one is that are we ready to even to understand what this kingdom is all about? Let's look at Revelation chapter 22, verse 10. Revelation chapter 22, verse 10. The angel Christ said, and he said, Do not seal the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. And I'm stressing on the fact that do not seal the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. Brethren, we need to labor to understand what this kingdom is all about before we can even enter. And thank God, the word of God says, give us the assurance that indeed the book has not been sealed. So we have no excuse. The book is open for all of us and this is where we all need to labor and to understand what the kingdom is all about. Once we can do this, then I can say that in terms of attitude, indeed, we think we are ready and to make a journey into it. Secondly, Daniel, in Daniel chapter 9, verse 2, Daniel understood the books. And brethren, again, it is only when we understand. He said, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books the number of years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of, the Jer- of Jerusalem. Again, I'm re-emphasizing the fact that if we don't understand what the kingdom is all about, and especially to understand the times, we might think it's a child's play. Daniel in his time understood by the books. You and I today should understand the times. And this will like us to take us back to Daniel chapter 2, verse 44. Daniel chapter 2, he said, And in the days of these kings, the kingdom of heaven will be set up. And specifically, I will at this point, among all other issues related to the end time, I would like to take a look, the one dealing specifically with the kingdom of God, and especially in the verse 44. Probably let's look at verse 43 before the verse 44. He says, as you saw iron mixed with ceramic clay, they will mingle with the seed of men, but they will not adhere to one another, just as iron does not mix with clay. And here I'm talking about the last days, especially of the European Union, where if you look at all the kingdoms from the revelation given to Daniel, it is at that point when the Roman Empire decided to disintegrate. Attempts were made from late 1970s to 
to try and set up the European Union. The, which first started as European Council, which ultimately culminated into the European Union. Close about 40 years now. And if you see how that union started, and what we see today, it is scripture. Man thought that they could set up a project to bring all the nations together. But brethren, when Britain left by the referendum in 2015, President Holland of France said this project will not fail. But just on April 2020, the Italian Prime Minister has said that this European project might fail. That is scripture. And by this, I'm telling you and we need to understand by the books that once these days will not stand, then as we can see in Daniel chapter 2 verse 40, it says, and the days of these kings, the kingdom of heaven will be set up. So as we see these days, as even specifically of the European Union alone, it is struggling to be established. It is in these days, if we understand by the books, brethren, we all should be prepared and know that this kingdom is something that in this preparation we need to be serious. And specifically, again, as part of our attitude, in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 28, Scripture says that it is those who are eagerly and patiently waiting for the kingdom. So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear the second time, apart from sin and salvation. My brother, are you eagerly waiting for the coming of the Lord? If you are eagerly waiting, then I can see that in your preparation, indeed, you are waiting for the coming of the Lord, and in your preparation, you ought to be serious. Now, having spoken about these attitudinal issues, which is our, our whole attitude to even understand what this kingdom is about, like Daniel understood the books, and we eagerly waiting, I would like us now to look at some specific points that we need to look at concerning our preparation, specifically towards this kingdom. One scripture in Revelation chapter 1 verse 27, which I think should make all of us set up. Revelations 21 verse 27. It says, in fact, the whole of Revelations 21 tried to describe this new heaven. But when you get to the verse 27, he says, but there shall by no means enter anything that defiles or causes abomination or a lie but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. And this is a very serious scripture. After he's given us all the description concerning the kingdom, he says, but there shall by no means enter it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or lie. So to enter, if there is anything that defiles or who works in abomination, or is in a lie. What he's saying is that, by no means, you cannot enter. And I believe that this exclusion clauses should make all of us begin to sit up and know that it is not that easy. Because there are certain exclusion clauses which all of us should note. And indeed, even as I said, the fact that the book is opened is at a moment for all of us to read and to study as much as we can 
concerning anything concerning the kingdom of God. And specifically this feature is saying that by no wise, you know, we Ghanaians are typical by saying that though even when laws are made, as for these laws, as we say in Shiwide Yedebefum, into the kingdom of God. He says, because by no means anything that defies can enter. And this is a scripture that should make all of us set up. Another scripture which I find also very fearful is also in Revelation chapter 21, verses 12 to 14. Revelation chapter 21, verse 12 to 14. Again, why am I saying it is fearful? When you are going to any place and there is a gate, it should let you know that the entry is not easy. Anywhere that you are going, tell you there is a gate. So he says, also, she had a great and high wall with twelve gates. And twelve angels at the gates and names written on them, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. Again, brethren, Another serious scripture. The verse and three gates on the east, three gates on the north, three gates on the south, and three gates on the west. The point and now the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. Brother, the point I want to emphasize here is that anywhere that there is a gate and there are walls and a great and a high wall. Immediately should tell you that to enter is not something to be taken lightly. And this is what for me, therefore, as part of our preparations, as read in the Revelations 21-27, nothing can just enter. Secondly, there is a gate. And again, it's not like our borders, where our borders are so porous that anybody can just enter. There are gates. In any house that you are entering, I'm sure the security man will come. Who are you? Are you to be allowed to enter? These are the things we should begin to engage our minds and to let all of us know that to enter the kingdom of God is not to be taken lightly. Another third point that we can look at in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 through to 20, verses 13 to 14. Again, it deals with our entry. It says, Enter by the narrow gates. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. But narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. Again, if you desire to enter, if you made up your mind to enter, he says, straight is the way. Enter by the narrow gate. And to enter anything by a narrow gate is not that easy. And again, so as we prepare, we need to know that it's not going to be easy. And in the verse 14, there's the last bit that we all need to get. It says, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, there are few who find it. So as we sit down in our lives to prepare to enter, but then let's know that narrow is the gate. And he says, it is difficult 
to find that way to life. And many do not find them. And my prayer is that we will be counted among those who will recognize that it is not that easy and therefore will do our ultimate best and know that once it is difficult, we will give it all the seriousness that it deserves so that we can make it. The fourth point, again, I would like to look at as we look at our preparation is that there's a high degree of urgency which should go into our preparation. Why am I saying so? In Revelation chapter 1, verses 1 to 3, Christ said, it says that the revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave him to show his servants things which must take place quickly. That should strike us. Things which must take place quickly. Then again in Revelation chapter 22 verse 7 or so, Christ is saying, Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. You see, Christ is saying, He who is coming for us says, Behold, I come quickly. In our preparation, do we have the mind of Christ? That there is some urgency or we are relaxed as far as our preparation is concerned. Christ who is coming for us says, Behold, I come quickly. Brethren, if we are preparing, then in our preparation, we need to have the same mind as Christ where there has to be a sense of urgency. The fifth point I would like us to look at is, let's look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. And here, we all will need the Holy Spirit in our preparation. In the NKJV, he says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed on the day of redemption. The Living Bible says that he is the one who makes, who marks you to be present on that day when your salvation from sin will be complete. Which means the Holy Spirit, when, if you seek a better meaning of the day of redemption, what he's saying is that Living Bible says that he will mark you on that day whether you are present and you can enter. And if that is the case, then you and I should give that honor and respect to the Holy Spirit because on that day, He, in fact, the L19 say, let's look at the L19 in the same Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. Maybe the meaning will come out clearer. It says, And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. It is the Holy Spirit who on that day will save us. So, as we are living today and as we prepare, brethren, let's endeavor and make sure that we do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Because on that day, on that day, he is our seal of redemption and as we prepare, let's make sure that we do not grieve the Holy Spirit. The sixth point has to do with the life that we are living now on this earth. As part of our preparation, we need to make sure that we are living the life of Christ, a new heaven and life with Jesus Christ himself 
imparted to us, especially even as we go through the Gospels. You know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You can see the kind of life, conduct, and character that our Lord Jesus Christ expected us, expected us to live, even as we live on this earth. And as part of our preparation, we should all endeavor to make sure that we are living according to this life that the Lord Jesus Christ expects us to live, even as we live now. The seventh point that I would like us to note is that we need to make a clear distinction or we should clearly renounce every form of affiliation that we have with any other kingdom. Is it because we cannot say that we are preparing plans to enter into the kingdom of God whilst at the same time some of us have an affiliation with the kingdom of darkness. It should be clear in our minds that we have clearly been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. If that is the case, then our very lives now should show that yes, indeed, we are children of God. Can you imagine a situation where profess, we claim that we are children of God, but what we do shows that we belong to the devil. And I can see the devil say, that, look at Christ. These people say they belong to you. But they do my bidding. They yield to the pressures of Satan. They yield to the demand of Satan. If you do that, then brethren, where do we stand? So we need to make a clear renunciation of our affiliation from any other kingdom. And those are the steps that Moses took when, for example, he clearly renounced anything to do with Pharaoh and Egypt. And clearly, even in the case of Abraham, Christ said, Get thee out of this country. We need to get out of this world. We need to get out of sin. There can be no affiliation or any fellowship with darkness if indeed we are preparing. So, in First John chapter 3, verse 8, says, He who sins is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. That's what I'm saying. If indeed we say we are children of God and we are sinning, then how do we say we are preparing to enter into the kingdom? We need to make a clear distinction that we do not belong to the devil. We have no linkage. We have no affiliation. We have no fellowship. We have no communion with the devil. Then truly we can say that we are pressing on and indeed pressing on unto the kingdom of God. Again in John chapter 8 verse 44. It says, You are of your father the devil. And the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning. And does not stand in the truth. Because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources. For he is a liar and a father of it. That's what I'm saying Clearly, if we are serious about our preparation for the kingdom of God, then we have no part in the prince of this world. We have no portion in the devil. So he says, you are of the father of the devil. Which means, if you give in to lust, if you give in to sin, then you are of your father the devil. And the disaster of your father, that is what you want to do. But clearly for us, if we are serious about our preparation, what then we are saying is that we have no part 
we have no portion in the devil and anything that he does. Hallelujah. The other point is that it will require perseverance and endurance. And in Revelation chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, again, you know, anytime people come into Christ, we make it seem as if things are so easy, very smooth, and there is nothing like that. But we need to be conscious of the fact that there are going to be difficult times. There are going to be persecutions. There will be afflictions. And then one of the elders answered, saying, Who are these robes arrayed in white robes? And where did they come from? And listen to the verse 14. And I said to him, Sir, you know, he said to me, These are the ones who come out of great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. And indeed, as a follow-up, Acts chapter 14, verse 22. Acts chapter 14, verse 22. And I'm here, I'm emphasizing the fact that perseverance and endurance should be something that we need to Because in Acts chapter 14, verse 22, it says that strengthening the souls of disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith, and saying, we must, through many tribulations, Enter the kingdom of God. We must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. That is why we need to be clear in our minds that it's not going to be that easy. Because sometimes we make people think that it's very easy. You can just enter without much troubles. No suffering. No pain. But what scripture is saying is that we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom, which we need to prepare ourselves. That time of tribulations will come. But in this, once we know what has been prepared for us, and once we know that tribulations are part of the things we need to note, we are prepared for them. And God being our side will make it. Hallelujah. And in all of these, Second Peter chapter 1, in fact, from verse 1 to 11, are certain scriptures that I would like us to run through. You know, because the verse 11 gives a very interesting and very exciting verse, which encourages me. I'll take from the verse 1, Second Peter chapter 1. He says, Simon Peter, a bond servant, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. As His divine power has given to us verse 2 verse 3 but as His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which he have given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through this you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, 
add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. The next verse, and this is what makes it very exciting. If from the verse 1 to the verse 10, you have diligently followed all what Peter recorded, he says, for an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Indeed, the living Bible says that and God will open wide the gates of heaven for you to enter into eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The NLT also is very interesting. The NLT on the verse 11 of Second Peter chapter 1. He says, Then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Who doesn't want grand entrance? But Peter is saying it is possible. If fully what has been recorded and what Christ has said, the apostles have said, as we continue to stay with them, a grand entrance will be given. Let's not forget that others go in and Christ says, they will say, Lord, Lord, and he says, I don't know you. But here, he said that there will be a wide opening for us. But now I'm not saying it's all that rosy or cheap. But I believe that with God, all things are possible. And he himself said, when some people ask, then who can be saved? In Matthew chapter 19, verse 26, Christ said, with God, all things are possible. And I believe that with God on our side, it is possible that we can make it. Peter also said that we will be kept by the power of God. And because we will be kept by the power of God, once we hope to the end, we shall make it. Then also, I believe in conclusion that prayer, much prayer, will be needed. Because I realized that even when Christ was living and was praying for the disciples... He said, he acknowledged that this world is difficult and there is evil. But he said, I had prayed for you. Christ also prayed for Peter when Satan wanted to save him. He didn't say that he was taking me out. He said, I have prayed for you so that your faith will not fail. So then I believe that with prayers and determination, we can make it. So I have said, as I have said, the kingdom of God is there, it been prepared for us. We need the right attitude. We need to search. We need to study. Thankfully, like I said, the book was not sealed. It was open. We need to labor and understand it. As we have the right attitude 
and labor to study and search more concerning the kingdom of God and of the Lord on our side, I believe we can make it. God has prepared it for us and is waiting for us to enter. What a glorious kingdom he has prepared. Let's, with all honesty, all seriousness prepare for it and it shall be ours. Shall we pray? So our Lord and our God, we thank you for this great provision that even in spite of our sin, you did not say that you had abandoned us. But you still, through our Lord Jesus Christ, made provision for us. And by his blood that he shed, this kingdom today has been opened unto us. The doors are there. The preparations are there. If only we'll bring our minds to bear to it. If only we'll set our hearts for it, it shall be ours. And there shall be a grand entrance into it. And we'll meet there one day. We all consider, hallelujah, we have made it. Praise be to God. Peace and many blessings.